I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some USC football. We've got some news to discuss here on the podcast this week during the quarantine we love to get little nuggets of news and we did that this week we got dan weber and keila Yor. i'll introduce those uh two in a second so we'll let you know if you have any questions or comments for the show a lot of ways to get a hold of us email we get a lot of those podcast at uscfootball.com got some long ones this week we're not gonna be able to read them all try to keep them brief we just can't read pages and pages if you want to write pages and pages go to the uscfootball.com message board post on there we got the peristyle if you're a vip member which you should be and if not you can go to the the fight on forum the free forum go there and put put your message there we can't read these long paragraph you know paragraph emails uh we do appreciate though thanks for sending them in to try to keep them brief if you want to call and leave us a voicemail or send us a text we got some of those this week 424-254-9141 is the number we also would like to encourage you to go on apple podcast on the apple podcasting app Leave us a five-star review. Leave us a question in there. We'll get to it right at the top of the show. So you want to get your question bubbled up to the top, leave it on the Apple Podcasting app because it does help grow the show, propagate the show throughout the uh, the interwebs. So we do want to get more of those. So we've got some new reviews this week. Maybe we'll have uh, Keely read a couple of those up at the top of the show. And I want to thank Keely for coming on. This is a crazy time. We haven't been, had her in the studio a while. I miss her being here, but it's good to have her on the line. How are you doing, Keely? Hello, hello. Doing well. I miss being in the studio as well. Counting down the days, even though there's not a countdown. I'm, I want to get back in the studio, Ryan. What phase is that? Like, do we? I don't think the governor talked about which phase it would be to be six feet apart <laughs> in a studio. Because we would be, we would, we would be six feet apart inside the studio. So I guess we could, but we're a small operation. We could probably do this if we wanted to, but right. I don't know if we're feeling risky. Yeah, I don't know. We, you know. I feel my immune system is pretty strong. I'm not sure about yours. I don't want to endanger you <laughs> well, in any way. Definitely not. Yeah, I don't want to it's endanger incredible. you in any way. I'd feel mm-hmm. terrible. I'd be like, the old guy Ryan got Keely sick somehow, and she, yep. you know, whatever. That would be bad. Uh, we also got Dan Weber. We got to get Dan in the studio sometime too. But that, you know, I don't know, phase three, phase four, whatever the governor says. What's up, Dan? How are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, the thought of the studio, though, I think I've gotten lost every single time I've come there, either. <laughs> <laughs> when I was driving, trying to find a parking place, or after I got there, and just trying to find the studio. Once I got to the building, uh, so I, I don't know. I'm I'm happy here. This is this is fine. But uh, although I think with Keely, I don't know the the numbers of 25 and under who have have had any kind of a problem with COVID-19 are 
almost infinitesimal. I mean, it's I think it's like 0.0001% chance of having a, you know, a serious case. So I think uh, Keeley's in pretty good, uh, pretty good territory when not uh, as far as not worrying about it too terribly much. You you sure. you okay with those numbers? Yeah, the numbers are in your favor, Keely. That's a good thing. True, but clearly Dan hasn't seen how much I get sick, so yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, well, we uh, hope everyone's staying healthy out there. We're uh, we're all trying to do our best to uh, flatten this curve and just get us going on in life. There's been some en- encouraging news uh, lately. You know, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, saying that uh, we could have professional sports without fans as early as the beginning of June. So. We've seen New York, California kind of change their tune a little bit to Texas, which is more of a, I guess you could more of a red state. You could say they've been more open that you can actually go to bars and stuff. I think right now in, in places in Texas. Um, so some of the bigger states have started to talk about professional sports. So I think that's an encouraging sign. So we're hopefully a little more hopeful that the college football season happens. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor Trader Joe's before we jump into everything else. They've been amazing uh to us over the years so we really appreciate them and uh you know if you've ever gone any kind of experience now you're going out to buy food the best experience i've had has certainly been uh going to trader joe's i haven't experienced long lines to get in to get out uh, especially getting out checking out sometimes that can be a pain at places that's not not the case at trader joe's and the people have all been uh very friendly and find what you need so hopefully things are selling in and can get back to to normal, but I definitely feel safe when I go to Trader Joe's and they got lots of yummy stuff. Uh, might have a little bit, Keely. I don't know if you know, you know. Some of our neighbors talked about putting some lawn chairs in our driveway this weekend. You know, everyone be six feet apart or so. We're all living in that complex, so you just kind of come outside of your building and put your chair down. So maybe pick up some snacks over there at Trader Joe's. Some of the uh, the red trolley beer I like, so I've been getting some oh. of those lately. So yeah, so we might do a little social distance kind of hanging out in our driveway, but uh, we'll see. But yeah, if you need, if you're going to do something like that, be safe, but uh, you can go check out uh, Trader Joe's. Lots of good stuff there. All right. Yeah, this should be fun. Um, Just try to be, try to be normal if you can. It's not easy to be normal now. There's a a lot of abnormal stuff. Um, Yeah. So we got to talk some football. We have a little news. We, we, We haven't used this for a while. The breaking news. I mentioned guys and we you know the good thing when we prepared for the show we didn't talk about anything what we're going to talk about so we're just going to go right off the top of our head uh the if you read the war room on friday so if you're a vip member you can read the war room the insider column we put up every friday i put a blurb in there about uh future scheduling um good news coming down the pike and the main reason you know the the main deal here and what i wrote in the war room is that that uh policy that happened about a year ago so if you remember uh at the time, Steve Lopes did an interview with The Athletic uh, talking about the desire to play seven home games every year. They could do a neutral site game every four years, but essentially what it would mean is you have five home games with Pac-12 and Notre Dame. You have five road games with Pac-12 and Notre Dame. That's 10 games total. So every year you have five and five. The only way to get seven home games is the other two are, the other two games you schedule are home games. That means you couldn't do Texas home and away. You couldn't do any more of the home and home series, which... A lot of fans thought it was a bad idea. I think all of us here on the podcast thought it was a bad idea. Well, that idea is now gone. So that's another kind of good move by the new administration. They've come in and said, yeah, that's not – I mean, it's not even a thing anymore. They scheduled a home-and-home with the current head coach at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, uh, for 2025 and 2026. You could have the Tarmac Bowl coming to Coliseum uh, in August, on August 30th. 
2025 if all things uh, work out that way. But uh, I thought this was really positive uh, development. Just just getting rid of that policy is, is a positive. But this is a great game to start off with. I think there are going to be more of them coming. Um, but if you read the War Room, you got a little heads up on that. Dan, what are what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I think it's uh, I think it, it should be a one-two punch here. I think the first part is scheduling uh, an SEC home and home. I think the second part, and one with a game that's got a lot of kind of intrigue and the whole you know the tarmac thing and Lane coming home and all that kind of thing. Uh, I, I, people won't. I probably remember this off of the top of their heads. The last time an SEC team walked into the Coliseum. They lost Arkansas, a pretty good team, uh, lost 70 to 17. Since that day, 2005, no SEC team has set foot in the Coliseum. They're not dummy. That's one of the reasons the SEC is the SEC. The word went out. We're not going there. You know, call, talk about time zones, talk about anything you want. We're not playing them. I think Tennessee strung USC along for three or four years with a sort of an agreement that they were going to play home and home. And then by 2015, they dropped USC. Wasn't uh, that, uh, wasn't that penned when Lane Kiffin was the head coach there also? Is that when they kind of came up with that agreement? That might've been right. It, it, it took a couple of years. So, uh, boy, I don't know if it was that long. He, cause he came to USC in 2010. I don't know. Uh, it strung out before they finally absolutely dropped it. Uh, it, it took a number of years and then, Tennessee finally said, you know, that game we told you we're going to have home and home. We're not having it. Uh, so it might have been. That's an interesting uh, thought. And I don't I don't know the answer for sure there. But uh, but I guess the good news is USC is going to be going home and home with a, an SEC team. The bad news might be. Does that mean the SEC is not afraid to come to the Coliseum now? Uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just glad I'm glad it's happening. And but. I think if USC really wants to do what they need to do scheduling-wise, they need to to get rid of the nine-game Pac-12 schedule. Four and four is plenty. That's what you know. Other conferences that you're competing for spots in the playoff do. And if USC was four and four, I mean, there's no benefit to USC in any year for playing five uh, Pac-12 road games. Never. That, that'll never be be a plus that you play more road games and home games in the Pac-12. That'll never be a, a good thing for USC football. And if it were me and I were, you know, involved in the scheduling with USC, I'd work harder on that than lining up the next home and home, uh, really attractive home and home series. I'd work really hard on the, on the Pac-12 to say, we're not going to keep playing a nine game Pac-12 schedule doesn't do us any good. It doesn't do the conference any good. It guarantees uh, half the teams in the conference have one more loss every year. Uh, and that drags the conference down. It's just a, it's a dumb idea. So uh, it's, it's a good thing in a, in a lot of ways to get a home and home SEC. Bad thing to keep playing nine conference games in the Pac-12. Yeah, I agree with you, Dan. Kaylee, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with everything that Dan said. It just seems like we always talk about the baseball analogy. It seems like another single from Mike Bone and company. Uh, he canceled the UC Davis game, adding a home-and-home home with the SEC team. I mean, these are all good moves. So, for me, it was just another win for, for Bone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I think that, you know, they've. it shows you how many problems there were 
in the athletic department. We talked about it. We all know um, that there were a lot of problems, and uh, there's they're fixing them one by one. This was one of the problems. Uh, now it's getting fixed. We'll see if the bigger problem, and I agree with Dan, it is the bigger problem. To, why is USC playing five Pac-12 road games? Like that's just dumb. Like that shouldn't be happening. So that's another thing that you could try to get fixed. It probably won't happen until 2024. But from what we've heard from Mike Bone, uh, it sounds like the you know USC is ready to stand up to the Pac-12 and not just go lockstep with whatever crazy ideas they come up with. Yeah, that would I think to me that would be enough to tell you to leave the Pac-12. You know, if you're going to make you know a stand uh, on that. And I would think Oregon and Washington, you know, Oregon's playing Ohio State this year. Washington's playing Michigan. I think that, you know, if you can, a Utah programmer in Arizona State that would like to do that, uh, I think those, you know, the good programs, and obviously UCLA has scheduled, you know, a bunch of teams to come into the Rose Bowl. But again, you know, every other year, if you're a Pac-12 team, you're facing those five Pac-12 road games and they do nothing for you, those teams. Yeah, it might help, you know, Oregon State or Washington State to get get one of the big name teams to come into their building. But, uh, you know, when you're playing at a, in a stadium that seats 30 some thousand as they do at Washington State or uh, uh, Oregon State, it's just not much of a benefit, uh, you know, for teams that have ambitions to be in the college football playoffs. So I think that's that's a battle really worth fighting uh, for USC here, for Bonin and Sosna. I just think, uh, you know, I just think that you tell them that's what we're going to do. That's what the SEC does. That's what the Big 12 does. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that was kind of the, the newsy stuff that come out. Yeah, we don't get a lot of news uh, coming out of things. There's been more optimism. I talked with uh, Harvey Hyde a little bit about this. Um, you know, just in general, there's been a little more optimism that the, the season would get played. Uh, I get both of your guys thoughts. I mean, Keely, do you, uh, do you feel like it's a little more optimistic towards there going to be a season now? I mean, it's interesting to see how much things have shifted just in a couple weeks. I mean, you look at Notre Dame, uh, I believe the other USC, uh, they both said that they're going to have earlier, uh, semesters and, and, at cancel uh, in-person classes after Thanksgiving break, you know, to limit the traveling and I guess more contamination. But yeah, it's really interesting to me to see how things have kind of shifted in that sense, because, you know, when you talk about the Cal States and how they came out and didn't seem optimistic and then suddenly other schools, universities sound optimistic to me, it's still early, but it's interesting seeing how it seems more for the positive. Now, even the fact that Gavin Newsom uh, kind of changed his tune to me is interesting because he seems so, solid about his whole prediction about waiting until 2021 so just I think this is our whole point is like this whole podcast every time we've done it is it's so early and we don't know and things can change so rapidly I think how the tone has kind of shifted recently shows that point of we don't really know what things will look like in a couple weeks and and where we could go from here yeah yeah I mean I I think it's easy to talk tough when you're you're Gavin Newsom for about a week or you know whatever but then when you've got five major league baseball teams sitting there trying to get back into action somewhere, somehow, uh, how they will start and how they're going to finish, I don't know. But then you got the big boy in the room, uh, the NFL, and they're getting ready. They're not backing off. They, they, you know, they gave their schedule out, same schedule as always, same start time as always, uh, which tells you, you know, they had the draft when they said they were going to have it. Uh, they're going to go to camp. And I think how the – 
I think uh, Gavin Newsom got hit with a reality club uh, about thing. I don't think you can stare him down. Uh, I mean, people are going to, you know, are going to start blaming you. And uh, you don't know enough to shut everything down at this point in any way. Uh, I saw the, you know, they're going around and around in Oregon. The governor said, you know, not till the end of September. And then she got overruled by a judge yesterday. And now the state Supreme Court's involved in it. You know, and for a day, everything's open in Oregon. And this is kind of a mess, but uh, uh, I think it will be really hard to keep everything shut down the way things are going. The states that seem to be opening, uh, Georgia, Texas, whatever, don't seem to be suffering any real ills to this point. Uh, you know, they're, they're just, it hasn't happened uh, the way a lot of people uh, predicted it would. And the college population is so not affected by this. And I know people say, well, what they can bring it home to, you know, I don't know that that's going to play as far as college campuses. I know that, you know, coaches and, and, um, and uh, faculty and even, you know, media, uh, it might be a little different story, but if they say it's all about students and student athletes, I think uh, that's maybe a hard case to, to consider and and just the fact that it looks like the average school that doesn't open in the fall is going to lose about 300 million dollars and i think that that's another reality club that uh some of the administrators are going to start looking at now one of the problems usc's got and I put it in in the column yesterday of the 12 schools in the pac 12 usc is 12th in terms of knowing when it's going to open and saying it's going to do whatever it's going to do. USC is only hoping it knows what it's going to do by, by uh, the end of June. So, you know, we're always hopeful that USC will take a leadership role in the Pac-12. And, and we do think with Bone and Sosa, there's, there's that chance. But I'm not sure of the people they report to, are they going to take a leadership role? You would think USC, a uh, private school that kind of has its, you know, stuff together, you would think would be able to be one of the leaders and not the one that's dragging behind everybody else. That's that's kind of disappointing. But maybe uh, the more, you know, the politicians get their act together, maybe that'll help USC, uh, you know, get its act together. But that's been been kind of disappointing that USC is not out front on this, but seems to be dragging behind. Yeah, they're USC's dragged behind for a while. I think the hope is, and like what Keeley mentioned, hitting some more singles. You hope that this is something that they take to the next level and be like, okay, we're uh, we're not putting up with this anymore. LA's, uh, you know, the 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 uh, cost of living in Los Angeles extremely high. Why is USC getting the same as Washington State, where you can do business a lot cheaper there? Uh, USC's bringing a lot more to the table. I think things like that which were just never even addressed. I think there would at least be addressed now with this new athletic department. But I just feel the more things that go on, guys, I just feel like the list of things that they need fixing is just going on and on. It's just getting longer and longer. Uh, you're like, wow, yeah, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, they didn't. They, uh, that was only a year ago that they came out with that, that scheduled policy that just seemed. And they remember they were talking about that's how you make the playoffs. It was like, that's what you're worried about? Like yeah. scheduling an FCF school, that's how you're going to make the playoffs? Not like hiring better people to do what you do and hiring support people around them. It, it didn't make any sense to me. There was such a lack of, of, of a competitive attitude at USC. I mean, there was more of a, 
we've got we're, we're where we are we're going to keep it going the way we want to keep it going we don't want to listen to you and if you try to tell us something from the outside you can't possibly know what we know because we're the insiders and we're in this bubble and it doesn't matter who you are or what you say we're just going to keep doing what we're doing what we're doing and uh finally they ran out that ran out i mean you just can't you know they they got mad at us because we really went after them for the cal davis game and it was like well you just don't know you don't understand and there just wasn't anybody we could play and then i think it took me about two days to find at least five or six other uh division one program you know uh, uh fbs programs that had open dates that week it was like they didn't do their homework uh and they just did what they did and didn't want anybody questioning questioning them and uh and i'm you know i'm glad we questioned them a lot and i know they didn't find that you know very comfortable but uh uh they just there was something about the attitude of the uh athletic department the last decade plus where there just wasn't a sense of we're usc we're gonna compete we're gonna beat you we're gonna do whatever it takes uh it was all like we're usc and we don't have to do anything other than be USC. And if you don't like that, tough. Well, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. We also got a little bit of, I guess we can do this again. A little breaking news. Uh, Jack Sears, uh, the former USC quarterback who had originally committed to San Diego State. They make a coaching change. He was back uh, on the market. Uh, now he is uh, going to Boise State. And I don't know a lot about the situation now. I think there's an established quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, a freshman that started last year. But I, yeah, I really and, looked into and it. And he's part. a Southern California kid, that Bachmeyer kid. So, and he had a really, I mean, until he got hurt toward the end of the year, he and Slovis were like neck and neck as far as really good uh, freshman quarterbacks. So it seems like kind of an odd choice to go, you know, somewhere where they. And I think Jack's got two years as a grad student, but he he uh, had only three years of eligibility. Um, so I think, or he's only played two. So I think he's got two full years. So I don't yeah, know how, he has two. how that's going to play out. I guess the good news is he didn't decide to go to San Diego State or San Jose State or Fresno State. Who knows what's going to happen there uh, with those three teams. So he went, you know, to another team in the uh, – in the conference. Uh, does anybody even know what's happening with those programs? I saw the athletic director at San Jose State said she still expects to play football, but with nobody in the stands. Uh, I, I don't know. That's going to take some, you know, Pac-12 games away if, if those three, uh, if, if those three can't play. So I could see why he would have gone to Boise instead. But, uh, but uh, I just found it a little surprising that you'd go somewhere where a freshman had a really, really good year um, uh, at Boise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Strange, but he's going somewhere. There's a lot of guys in the transfer portal that just aren't finding spots. So, you know, maybe it was a little harder finding a spot than he than he thought. Obviously, I mean, that, that could have been the issue there. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, wish him the best of luck. He's a great kid. And Yeah, very much. Um, so. You know, we want to see uh, – see something good happen for him. So this will be, maybe it's an opportunity. So what did you think about that, Keely? Yeah, I mean, what Dan said, I thought it was a little odd, given that it's a similar situation to what he was facing at USC, which prompted the, the transfer. So 
I don't fully understand it. Um, I know Greg Biggins talked to his San Clemente coach, and his San Clemente coach said that he knew some of the players at Boise State, so maybe that was like a more familiar move for him to go there. But yeah, I'm not really sure the motivation behind it, but like we all said, wish him nothing but the best. All right. Well, let's uh, we'll jump into some questions. Our friend uh, Joan had a voicemail since we were talking about playing the season and scheduling stuff. She has an Alabama uh, question. I'll play it for you guys. Hi, Ryan and Dan and Keely. This is Joan Levis, uh, class of 81. Um, I just have a comment. I read uh, Dan's story regarding the Alabama game. and You know, I, I really, really hope that the Pac-12 and, and USC does the right thing. I mean, with all due respect to the disease, I'm not minimizing it or anything, but um, it's just so important to get back to uh, real life. I mean, I, uh, um, you know, don't really want to go into it all, but um, I just think it's important for USC, and I think it's important for college football, and I think it's important for the university to uh, go back to school. Um, I, I believe that, you know, everything will be all right, and uh, if not, then I guess, you know, there's plan B. But um, with the other, with the SEC and the Big Ten, Moving forward, it's it's hard to stay behind. I'm, you know, it will kill the recruiting. It'll it'll kill the coaching, and it, it's just the deal killer. Anyway, thanks so much. I'm not leaving a long one. I'm trying not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Fight on. <laughs> thanks, Joan. Uh, that, by definition, that definitely was a long. Well, it's a long <laughs> one. I think it was like a, a minute and a half. Well, it's it shorter than your other ones, but it's still long uh, for voicemail standards. But we we love Joan, so we play it. Yeah, and Joan is the definition of fight on. Uh, she absolutely gets it and believes it and lives it, and uh, and she isn't backing down. <laughs> she isn't backing down at all. And yeah, I, I do think uh, you don't want to be crazy, but you know there there comes a time where you got to say, look, we have to figure out a way to do this. Okay, this is what's happening out there. We have to figure out how do we get this done. And uh, I think that's got to I think that's got to be the starting point. Uh, which is kind of where, when you look at the SEC, they're not asking the question, can we do this? They're asking, how do we do this? And I think that's where you'd like to see the Pac-12, especially USC, get to that point where the question is, how do we get it done? How do we compete? How do we help our kids be as good as they can be at at what we're trying to do here? And, uh, And I think, you know, just the example of, the PAC tw- or the uh, SEC presidents are voting next week on uh, whether they're going to open campus and open their facilities up to their athletes either June 1st or June 15th. And you look at the PAC-12, they're not e- – again, I guess the presidents are meeting now, but you get the sense that that's not the question they're asking. They're, you know, the question they're asking is – well, do we open or don't we open or what are we going to do here? You know, I think you got to, for example, on, on the use of facilities, are you better off with all of your athletes all over the country working out on their own in different states with different, you know, laws and rules and different kinds of gyms that you could access and different levels of, you know, sanitary 
uh, hygiene in terms of all the equipment and all that? Or would you be better off bringing all those kids onto campus into your facilities that you can completely control how well you know those are taken care of? I mean, the SEC, for example, has brought their coaches back. The coaches are back in their football offices and facilities. USC, Pac-12, I don't think they've done that. I mean, I think at USC, if you're an employee at USC, you got to have, a, you know, I was kidding, but a note from the principal to get back on the campus. I mean, it's shut down. And uh, I think you got to probably get past that, uh, I think, at this time. I, I just think it would be so much better for the athletes to be using the facilities uh, at USC than to be all over the country trying to stay in shape. That's just one little thing, but I, I think that gives you an example of where we are. Yeah. Uh, what do you got, Keely? We have uh, we got some well, other we got some other voicemails, but we got some other plenty of emails, I think, too. We or, have an oh, in- you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. No, no, we have an interesting one. Um, so people who watch television that might not. Uh, the crossover between Tunnel Vision and Parastyle podcast might not happen. So we have a resident Notre Dame fan on Tunnel Vision who always comments. And so he actually sent in a text for the podcast this week. And we talk about the, the athletic department. He has a question about it. He says, uh, Ryan, I wanted to ask about Pat Hayden. I've always thought kindly about him because even though he was a USC quarterback, his color commentary for NBC was fair, and I felt like he genuinely grew fond, uh, genuinely grew fond of Notre Dame and the players he encountered. My question is, why isn't he held in high regard with the SoCal fan base? I would think a former quarterback, a Rhodes Scholar, an athletic director would be talked about in much more glowing terms. What am I missing? If you can shed some light, I would appreciate it. Thank you. Stay healthy. Coley from Notre Dame. You're missing a lot, Coley. <laughs> yeah, Coley, Coley, Coley. <laughs> Just your email would probably be enough to uh, destroy Pat Hayden's uh, you know, reputation at USC. The fact that you are held in such high regard at Notre Dame probably doesn't help you at USC. I mean, they're, they're, you got to just admit, these are two different worlds. These are people been going head to head since whatever, 1926 or 27. And... Um, they love to kind of be rivals. And Pat kind of went that other direction. Had he, when he came back to USC as the athletic director, had he been a more aggressive uh, voice for USC, a more, uh, you know, willing to, to go nose to nose with the NCAA, uh, I think it would have helped him a lot. And had he not made a whole lot of bad decisions, if he'd have made it, as many bad decisions as a quarterback at USC as he did as an athletic director, he would not be uh, held in high regard as a quarterback either. Uh, so uh, it's it just, uh, I think a lot of USC fans thought Pat maybe uh, uh, listened a little bit too much to those echoes, uh, you know, at, at Notre Dame and, uh, and, and, and it just didn't work out well. I just think it's it's a very difficult, uh, uh, you know, line to uh, walk between handling the Notre Dame games on a weekly basis and being a USC guy. I, I think it's uh, not easy to do. And then his record at USC went the way it did. So USC fans, I think, basically a, a judge Pat on how what kind of job he did at USC. And it's almost impossible to find uh, a positive or two in that uh, job. I know Ryan is uh, is a big Pat uh, Hayden fan, right, Ryan? Oh, my God. I mean, definitely (laughs) the worst. He's the worst athletic director. I've tried to study this, and 
some of the ancient history stuff, you, it's not as easy to do. But I would say he's the worst athletic director in USC history. And I, I wouldn't have any problem arguing that fact with anyone if we wanted to go toe-to-toe with some of the stuff. Now, did Lin Swan make a run for his money? He you know, wasn't around as long, but he's certainly uh, ineffective, I would say. But Pat made the worst, bigger decisions and worse decisions than Lin Swan uh, kind of sitting doing around nothing. But yeah, yeah, I think Lin didn't work at it as hard to be yeah. the athletic director. Pat worked at it harder. He did, and uh, you know, and 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 it's funny because people. I told this the other day to someone that was like, not a fan that felt like, okay, this is a good, you know, that they're happy that the uh, athletic department's going in a different direction. Did they did not realize that Pat Hayden was the highest paid athletic director in the country? It wasn't just like he was bad at it and didn't have any experience at it. USC paid him very well to be a terrible athletic director. Like yeah, it was. Yeah. It's yeah, like, like Larry in, Scott. In, like in the history of the world, you know, like $3.2 million a year. Uh, it's just, it, it was insanity. Uh, and, you know, you just, you look back and, and, and say, he didn't have any, I mean, he, here's a guy with the golden resume. He's a Rhodes Scholar quarterback from a national championship team at USC, gets his Rhodes Scholarship, gets his law degree, also becomes a starter for the Rams. It was, can you have a better resume than that? And it, there was almost no connection between that resume and anything that he, you know, Pat did as an athletic director at USC, anything. There was just, it was a complete, it's one of those times where you say, hmm, maybe resumes don't give you the whole story about somebody's ability to do something but uh the disconnect i think some of it was total disappointment in the disconnect between the guy with the golden resume the perfect resume it would seem other than no athletic director uh, experience and what ended up happening as ryan said it was you could not have a more uh more of a disconnect between those two things yeah i mean that I mean, it's a, a resume that you're trying to project that they would be good at this job, but there's a lot more aspects of this job. Wait, have you ever run anything? Like, I think when you're uh, an esteemed athlete like that and you're on these boards and stuff, did you actually run a company and have a budget and have all these people that you're reporting to you? No, like that's, it's just a completely different thing. You actually have to run this, not just be the guy that has some drinks with boosters. And, and I think that's when they were hiring both, Hayden and Swan, that's all they were thinking about is, uh, you know, trying to get people that could raise money. And that was one of the problems with the university for a long time is that the, the focus was on raising money. But then they didn't realize as they start making bad decisions, just because those guys were revered football stars, that they weren't going to be able to raise money. Lynn Swan was one of the most hated people around. Like he wasn't hated until he became the athletic director and just started doing terrible things um, or do, not doing nothing. And I, you know, and Pat Hayden, no one real no USC people didn't like Pat Hayden. Now they don't. Um, so yeah, I think there's just because you were good at one thing doesn't you know you can't just project oh you're going to be good at that. That's why I, my rant always is hire people that are good at their jobs. Like how do you know? Like well they were good at, they were an athletic director at uh, Iowa and they then they come here and they're really good. And like okay that makes sense. Not well he's never been an athletic director but why don't we give him a chance? Like no <laughs> you're USC you give him a what? chance if you're Bowling Green or something you don't do it at USC. <laughs> Well, and, and then the problem was, I think it was day one where Pat said, from now on, we're going to win the right way. And it was oh, like, uh-oh, <laughs> what did he say? 
you know, and it was like, oh, well, maybe the NCA will like us. We have a, a Rhodes Scholar for an AD, and he said, we're really sorry for winning. Um, that was, I mean, there, there wasn't much coming back from almost day one. Yeah. Ryan, um, I'm surprised you haven't said your classic line of, if you did the opposite of every decision Pat Hayden made, the UFC would be in a better place. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that came from Dan originally. Like, if, <laughs> oh, I think, okay. I think Dan said, if you reverse, <laughs> like, like say he made like 12 major decisions, reverse them all. And like USC is probably on top of the world. Like l- that's how bad they were. Like <laughs> they were all awful. Like every single one of them back to back. You can't do it. Like if you play Kino, you know, you're like, Oh, I, you pick 20 numbers. And if you can get like 11, you make a bunch of money. You know, it's hard. It's hard to get zero of them too. Like that's a, that there's, you get paid for being really bad at it. Also, um, he, the, what he did, I mean, and it's one of those things where obviously you got sharp individuals and they think that they're smarter than everybody. And if you want to put an IQ test up to Pat, he, he might beat a lot of people, but as far as being the athletic director, no, he was not smarter than a lot of people. I mean, there were just obvious decisions that were made for just terrible reasons and they just kept doubling down on him and he wouldn't come back on it. And, you know, from bringing Lane Kiffin back for the year, he shouldn't have brought him back and then having to fire him in the middle of the year. I mean, there were just so many bad decisions. Um, you know, and USC kind of got unlucky with, they needed Mike Garrett in the, the Pat Hayden spot and they needed Pat Hayden in the Mike Garrett spot because Mike Garrett was defiant towards the NCAA, thumbed his nose at them. Then USC gets hammered. Pat Hayden would have like not probably not allowed USC to get the kind of sanctions they were. Cause they would, he would have played nice with the NCAA. So just his style would have worked better early on. Now would, would USC have hired Pete Carroll? I guess probably not. And they probably wouldn't have had that run, but he would have dealt with the NCAA at that point better. But afterwards they needed a Mike Garrett to go after the NCAA because Pat Hayden wouldn't do anything. It just went along with whatever they said. And that was the wrong thing to do. So it just, yeah, it was all, Wrong people, wrong time. Maybe don't hire football players to do a job that they've never done before and just because they're football players. Yeah. I mean, and unfortunately, Pat was the lawyer who went to the NCA, and at least two times we know the NCA was going to kind of back down a little bit on some of the, uh, you know, penalties and whatever. And then they'd get a call from their lawyer or wherever, you know, on the Reggie Bush case, and they'd say, yeah, let's don't do that. And they backed down. And poor Pat, you know, would come out of the uh, Indianapolis offices and was like, you know, I thought I was going to have a deal. And they just told me no. And he didn't. At that point, that's where you call the press conference on the steps of the NCAA. And you say, this is what they told me. This is where they backed down. This is what we're going to do about it. But that just wasn't uh, part of Pat's makeup. He just didn't think like that. Yeah. Uh, since we're talking about the athletic directors, um, I, we've we've had Cattleman call a couple of times. We've had him on the live show. He is not a Mike Bone fan. I think he left a long voicemail and then like a shorter voicemail. I'm just going to play this because I need to put this to bed. Uh, Cattleman does not like Mike Bone and uh, because of the Butch Jones thing. And Butch Jones was at Tennessee and wasn't good. Uh, and so I don't. He's, this is not something he's letting go. I'm going to play this for you, Dan, and get your thoughts. Here you go. One more thing, Ryan Cattleman. Uh, Mike McIntyre was at Colorado for six years, hired by Mike Bone when he got blown up by Bush Jones. 14 and 39 in the Big 12, excuse me, the Pac 12. Six years on the job, Ryan. Terrible hire. And why isn't uh, Urban Meyer the coach at USC today? 
another hire he could have made. Please have Dan address this. Stay safe. Yeah, I, I wasn't so down on the McIntyre hire at Colorado. I think he was getting to, moving him in the right direction. I think that's a hard job right now. Yeah. I don't think you get enough players out of – I think back in the day when, when Colorado and Nebraska could, com, com, uh, you know, recruit out of Texas and out of both coasts, uh, I think, you know, there were things about Colorado that people said, oh, that's pretty cool. I don't think that hap- that's a, a chance today. I don't think people are missing players on either coast, and it's harder and harder to get guys out that you really need to get out of Texas. So I think Colorado – that's a tough job. I, I didn't dislike McIntyre at all. I, I thought he was a, a pretty good guy. I thought he might have done almost as well as you could do uh, at, at Colorado. I think it's really a tough job. Uh, yeah, I, could you find guys that would do a better job at Colorado? Yeah. Butch Jones, yeah, I liked uh, I liked the, the couple of guys he succeeded at, at Cincinnati. Really, you know, uh, Mike D'Antonio, or what can I always think of D'Antonio's first name at Michigan State? And then, uh, obviously, Chip Kelly. And Cincinnati really had it going. So, uh, I think Butch Jones looked like and sounded like a football coach to me. He sounded like a, a blowhard, uh, which he was, and he turned out to be. Uh, but he rode the uh, the players that he was left and, and did a pretty good job record-wise. I don't think they were anywhere near as good as the, the guys he succeeded. I probably wouldn't have hired him for any kind of job, certainly not a, a job in the Southeastern Conference. So, yeah, was that a mistake? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I said so at the time. He was not uh, – you didn't know enough about him at Cincinnati, uh, you know, to know – uh, you know, Tennessee should have known better. Uh, they made a bigger mistake than Cincinnati did, and you know, in hiring him. But uh, but that that was not a that was not a good hire. But then you know you got to give him credit for. I think he did a really good job with Luke Fickle. Uh, that was a very good hire. I think his uh, basketball coach hire uh, was a good coach to replace uh, Mick Cronin. But um, but yeah, if I were a Tennessee person, I'd be really unhappy. Uh, uh, about that hire, but I, I don't know. I'd blame Bone. At least he got he got him to move on. Yeah, here's the thing, Callum, and uh, we're gonna let this go because uh, you're not letting it go. We're gonna let it go here. But the bar at USC was set really low. Did you hear? Listen to the the ten minutes prior to us playing your question. What USC was dealing with as far as athletic directors, you would have been an upgrade as athletic director. I don't know anything about you. You coming in would probably be better than what they've had the last ten years. So. Actually having someone who's made calls, like made decisions to hire someone like that based on what they think are facts, if you want to argue they're good, bad, or whatever, that's not the way USC's been doing things. So this is, say Mike Bone ends up being like an average athletic director. It's way better than what USC's had. He could be above average. He could be below, I'm not sure. But whatever he's doing so far, just look at what they've done, that department. It's so much better than whatever USC had before. So I get it if you don't like some of the football hires he's made, but he's doing a much better job at USC than what we've seen over the past 10, 15 years. The cattleman, man, he sounded like he was like in a basement still thinking about Butch Jones. I mean, he was asking us two weeks ago on Tunnel Vision, so I think it's good we finally put this to rest. Well, yeah, he called and then we, we addressed it, and then he said the same thing again. I'm like, cattleman, we just, just talked about it. I don't know what else to tell you. And he left a couple of voicemails. So hopefully we put this to bed. Uh, we duly noted, cattleman, you are not a Mike Bone fan. We're just going to move on, though, and tell you from what we've seen, what we've seen at USC, 
it's night and day better than what USC's had before. Yes, but we've noted your opinion. It is very clear yeah. at this point. <laughs> Uh, we have an email from Paul in Vegas for Dan. He says, hi, Dan, a question posed to your critical thinking faculties. The idea of permitting undrafted players to return to their respective college squads with no penalty. Good idea or not? Thanks for thinking, Paul in Vegas. Uh, you know, you could look at it and say it's really good for the kids. But then will that will the unintended consequence be that everybody jumps out and 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 throws their name into the draft? And then they think that, okay, but they'll have a place for me if I come back, won't they? Well, what if they don't have a place for you? Uh, you know, how does that impact uh, each school's recruiting? And I, I'm not one of these people that says, oh, it's all about the school and the coach and, and they should always come first. But that could make, you know, uh, that could be a real problem for schools uh, when you've got to recruit and, you know, have a national signing day in February you know, and the draft doesn't come till April or uh, whatever. Um, that that could be a that could be a real problem. That's a hard question. I think that's a really hard question. I, I could see if the numbers were as they are today, maybe you could kind of try to work work that out. Um, and, and it might be one of those things where it's up to the school where they would have the choice that if they wanted to let you come back. Uh, but again. Are you going to get an agent? Uh, then that takes you out of the picture. Or how? I don't even think we know what's going to happen with the whole agent-player relationship in the new world of uh, NIL. You know, how does that um, uh, affect whether they can get representation or somebody to tell them what to do or what not to do? Uh, I, I, I think we would need a lot of uh, details on the exact proposal. And where it goes, because I don't know that I'd want to see people as a general rule just saying instead of throwing their name right now into the uh, NFL draft, uh, you know, scouting, whatever that consortium is, that gives them a rec rating and a recommendation and tells them whether to go or not. Uh, but then you just say, well, why don't I just go for the draft itself? Because there's no downside if they don't pick me. Uh, I'm not sure that that works for me uh the way way that might might play out let's uh Keely, let's take a quick break we'll come back and uh take some more email questions back in a minute sure. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Keely, what we got next? We have an email from AJ who says, Hello, Keely, Ryan, and Dan. On the last podcast, Keely brought up the question about the players showing their commitment by being in shape when they're allowed to come back. The consensus was that if they have worked hard and are in shape, then they are the most committed to this team and have the best chances to play. I wonder if this is fair. 
Do not, uh, do not some of these players have access to the equipment and training through family while other players are more isolated and can only use running and accessible weights? You can only lift so many chairs and sofas, right? You three, plus Shotgun and Gerard, are definitely the top team out there. So impressive with what you do. Thanks for keeping us intrigued during this downtime. Fight on, AJ. So to address that, it was we had talked about it more in depth on Family Feud, and we, were, we weren't suggesting that um, those who have a better advantage are more committed to the team. It was more so how will that take place in deciphering the depth chart and where uh, players are once they come back. So I wasn't suggesting that like there's a correlation between dedication and what equipment you have like naturally because no one's really prepared to be quarantined in their house for months. It was more so a thought experiment of like what does this mean for players who have been used to training in facilities uh, what does it mean now that they have to do things on their own and, and have that self-motivation? So it was more a thought experiment than me directly saying uh, that one is more committed than the other, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, and I, I think one of the considerations is just uh, if you watch them work out, you know, in the USC weight room, they'll have spotters. Uh, yeah, if you're working out in your garage and you're trying to, you know, push around the kind of weight that some of those guys need to be pushing around – you're probably not going to have a spotter or I don't know. You're going to ask mom to come out and be your spotter. Uh, I don't, I, I, I don't know that that's completely, uh, you know, safe to do it that way. So, uh, so, you know, and maybe guys are able to get together if, you know, they live out of town or live near one another, but uh, again, they're not really supposed to be doing that. Uh, so I think that you know, the solution there is get them back on campus as soon as possible. The SEC's going to do it. And I think that's going to be throw the challenge down to everybody else. You have to think they're better off uh, training in your school facilities than training at home. Uh, that's it's not even a no-brainer. That's not even at the level of a no-brainer. That's so obvious uh, that you just got to do it. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations like, you know, you got what you have. And, and I think when I talked to Aaron Ospis at the beginning of this pandemic, at the beginning of the shutdown, they just had to tailor workouts for whichever, you know, whatever players had. And it wasn't, you know, if you happen to have a dad that was the a Mr. Universe, you probably got a gym in your in your house. <laughs> if you don't, then maybe you don't, you know. So I, I don't think it's but you, you know, you have a hundred different players coming from a hundred different backgrounds, and you just don't know. So it's 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 definitely a tough situation. They're you know, they're doing the best with what they can with it right now. Well, the other part of that that makes it tough is the team they're playing. And game one is Alabama, okay? Now, the good news there is Alabama's strength coach, who was the longest-running uh, assistant coach with Nick Saban, has left Alabama. He wanted to become an on-the-field coach, and he'd been, a, been helping him out in, uh, in special teams and whatever. And Georgia went ahead and hired him. And Alabama is going a kind of a completely different direction in, in their, weight, their legendary weight program. Uh, and that's going to be... I, it's going to be kind of an interesting thing to watch over the summer is how does Alabama adjust to uh, kind of a new uh, new way of doing things in the weight room? Because obviously uh, the guy who left was as good as it gets at the college level. So uh, so that's a, that's kind of a maybe a possible advantage for you. At least it's not as big a disadvantage for USC maybe as it might be. But uh, it'd be good for USC to get back in in gear right away because. A lot of what we're hearing is the second year with Aaron has been a big deal in terms of a bump up in 
people figuring out this is how we have to do things. Aaron figuring out how to, you know, work with these guys and, and for everybody to get together. But, uh, you, you know, they've done some impressive things. I mean, I think uh, Andrew Vorey's uh, reaching, what are we, what was it, 44, I think, uh, uh, mm-hmm. reps of 225 pounds, which would tie him for the third most all time in the uh, NFL combine, uh, that number. So some good things are happening and you'd like to see them, you know, get back to being able to do that as soon as possible. Uh, we got a voicemail, Keely. You want to go there? Go for it. All right, here you go. Uh, this is, uh, I think this is our buddy, Rick, who always has like birds chirping in the background. So wherever he is, he's very peaceful, peaceful place. So let's uh, play it for you. Hey podcast. Glad you guys are up and running. Um, as you've been the whole time period during this stretch of time, um, got a couple questions. The first off is why do the, in order to have college football, why does all the students need to be um, on campus? It doesn't make sense to me. I remember when I went to SC, they gave you your room. Um, your room didn't, you didn't find out until you basically moved in. That's when you got your assignment. So why can't they just put the football players in their own dorm and then have one of the cafeterias open for them to eat? I don't understand why they have to be there. Second question is, you talked about the Damatha Bosco game and all the Damatha players, offensive linemen being um, Power Five uh, recruits. If that's the case, then shouldn't the Bosco defensive linemen be all Power Five recruits, considering they dominated Damatha? In addition, those teams that stayed up with Bosco, like Modern Day, shouldn't all their linemen be Power Five as well? It doesn't make sense to me that you know their Damatha so highly rated. But they got their clock cleaned. Anyway, I'd like to hear both of those. Rick from Business. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, Rick. As far as the the Matha one, I just think some of that is uh, there are just a lot more schools playing uh, near near Matha, and those kids are going to get you know. And they're kind of that you know, the same niche as Bosco and Modern Day. It's just teams aren't as good as Bosco and Modern Day. They're, they've got better athletes. Uh, you know, they're drawn from Southern California. And, and they're kind of all-star teams. They're kids that really, really want to be good. And I think, uh, I think Bosco's defensive line is, has been pretty well recruited. Uh, I don't think they're, they're missing. I mean, USC's got a kid from there, obviously, or more over the years. But, uh, but I don't think they're going to miss out, miss out too many. Uh, as far as uh, question number one, refresh my memory on question number one. Here. Oh, the uh, having students on campus oh. and stuff, and it's yeah. just like so. You'd have to, this isn't a professional team. If if you're not if if guys aren't in school, you're not going to be having football. So I don't know if they need to be on campus full time, but yeah, you can't separate like oh, just have the football players go in their own dorm and eat their own food, and it, it's still they're student athletes, so there still has to be some aspect of that. You can't just say well, no one else is going to be around, but football players will. I, I think that's tough. Yeah, I think the NCAA was trying to give a message out that if you don't have students on campus, you're probably going to have a hard time playing in the fall. You're probably going to have a hard time playing football. Uh, but And they didn't want what Ryan just said uh, to happen. But then I think some people took that and said, well, the football team reports at the end of July. And if they're not in the uh, second summer session, then if they're still doing it online, well, then you can't have football. That was wrong. They didn't, people didn't get that. You don't need to have, if you're going to have kids on campus in the fall uh, semester, 
I think they can come in to practice whenever they want. I mean, that's always been the case in college football. So that was, I think, a lot of that were, were that was people who don't remember. That's how college football always was, that the football team got on campus almost before anybody, and that the summer sessions weren't exactly like the fall and the spring, that everything was basically the fall semester, spring semester. So I think it was just a kind of a misinterpretation of, of some of the guidelines that, that people were saying. But yeah, USC can obviously have the football team here. Uh, before the students but if the students aren't going to be back at all in the fall that's the question i've got for like those cal state teams can they play if all their uh student bodies uh doing is having online classes and not allowed because basically if you don't let them come back to campus in the fall you're saying that's too dangerous for our students to be on campus well in that case you can't bring the football team into a situation that you say for regular students would be too dangerous. It was a, a really bad decision, a premature decision, one you would think they might be wanting to revisit if I were the Cal State University people, why they had to you know, go ahead and throw it out there that early. I, I can't even imagine, what's it like to be a football coach at one of those schools trying to recruit somebody or trying to plan for what's gonna happen this year? And one of the things that people haven't thought about is doesn't that if you don't if you're not on campus in fall semester, what happens to basketball? I mean, San Diego State's program was almost a favorite to get to the final four this past spring. What happens to that program? I mean, they've got a really good program at San Diego State. Does it just go? Is it poof? You know, we'll see you in January. I, You know, I know they don't get a lot of coverage for those three California schools in the Mountain West, but man, I don't know what 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 is really going on there. If you're part of the athletic department, I I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So something that I've heard floated out there is like you could have mostly online classes, but for majors like music or something where you have to be in person, you have those students come to campus and have them be more isolated and then you have the rest of the population online could you make an argument that student athletes are in those those respective yeah. category yeah that's, a good yeah, that's point. the hybrid the hybrid model if the hybrid model is the only kids going to class on campus are the football players that probably won't go over real well i mean that's like oh where's the basket weaving class it's down here and then where's the you know uh, I would think you have to bring more than just the football players back, but uh, and the song girls, and the, you know the band. But uh, uh, I think the hybrid model is what's. I, I would guess a lot of Pac-12 schools are going to go with a the hybrid model where only some classes yeah. are in person. Like if you have some huge class, like 300 per- person, then that might be online. But like. We used to have, you know, when I was there as these smaller engineering classes, we would have labs like your discussion lab or whatever you'd have. If we were working on some circuit board, like you kind of had to be there, you know, unless you could, there's something you could bring home, I guess. But um, yeah, I think they're, I think the hybrid model, that's the thing with the Cal State schools, because it sounded like from what San Diego State was saying that it was, they were going to try to do more of a hybrid of it and stuff. Not, it's not going to be like this absolute, because if it's absolute and their students aren't back at all, it's really hard to justify having any sports. Um, yeah, but I don't think can. the Pac-12 is going there. So it's, but you know, at, at the at the worst, it would be some kind of hybrid model, like you guys talked about. My guess is. 
So we have an interesting email from our buddy Curtis from Marino Valley. They're all uh, interesting, Keely, right? <laughs> true. I just wanted to preface everyone with that. Uh, so he actually joined the world of Twitter, and he's kind of reporting on his experiences. He says, hey, Dan, I just started a Twitter account under Curtis from Marino Valley, and he signs his tweets with Curtis from Marino Valley, if anyone was curious. He says, and you were right. Many of USC fans are on the Urban Meyer quote-unquote fantasy island. They want the team to lose to validate their stance. They post things like keep up a good fight for Meyer or that Meyer was born to coach USC. We have a season to play. Get over it, fans. They actually believe in this coach who everyone wants, including NFL teams. Curtis from Arena Valley. Yeah, I mean, I think just play the season out. That decision was made or not made uh, three months ago, whatever. And now you just you do make the best of every th- single opportunity, every single coaching hire, every single thing you do on every single practice, and you just that's all you can do at this point. Uh, I think that trying to figure out, oh, if they lose this game, will that, uh, uh, you know, I, I think the head coach is going to be under scrutiny. I, I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, uh, you know, you saw what happened to Lynn Swan, you saw what happened to you know Steve Lopes, you saw what happened to. Uh, you know, a few more, uh, you know, people, at, you know, kind of the top rung in the athletic department. I don't think Clay Helton is going to be in any, any different place uh, uh, after a year. Uh, so I, w- I just wouldn't focus there. Focus on everything else and hope it hope it goes well and, and just see. I mean, the guys that are trying to, you know, engineer that by what they want to happen for each week, I just think. That's just not the way to do it. Uh, enjoy the season. Uh, root for the kids if you're a USC guy, and and hope they play really well every single game, and uh, and leave it at that level. And don't get into this. Uh, you know, if I were the president of the university, here's what I'd do. You're not. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, we got one last voicemail before we'll we'll finish off with the rest of the emails, Keely. Is that cool, or is there something go you want to go into? All right, nope. here we go. One last one. It's another Rick, by the way, but different uh, different town. Hey, guys. Love the show. Rick from La Mirada. I got a quick uh, question, query. Uh, UCA is doing – USC has been doing great on the recruiting. Lately, it seems to be a lot on the defensive end or defensive line. Could, is that, could that be that they know something that the fans don't about Corey Foreman, or could this be – to try to tempt Corey Foreman that they're really serious about building a good D-line. What is your opinion? Because I just don't want to get, you know, L.A. gets these things, the Lakers wait and wait and wait for Kawhi and miss out on some of the good ones. And that's just something L.A. does, I think. So uh, I'm just curious what you guys think about the latest signings and if it uh, if it could mean something. All right. Thank you. God bless. Take care and stay healthy. Thanks. I'll jump in uh, real quick. So, uh, Rick, and well, I've just answered someone on Twitter the same sort of thing about uh, no one's signing right now. These are verbal commitments. So that's what's happening. And it's go the, the verbal commitments are coming in at uh, t- twice as the t- twice rate twice the rate of what we saw the, them coming in last year. So during the quarantine, a lot of people are committing, and it starts this kind of. Uh, spiral you know that's a domino effect so it's, it's like an avalanche and people want to make sure they got a spot um there, some people are projecting there's gonna be a lot of decommitments that could that could be the case we just don't know at this point but 
I think this is the opposite of what the Lakers did was wait around for Kawhi and they missed out on all the other guys. Right now, USC is getting commitments from a bunch of other guys still intent on trying to bring in some of the five-star guys. And so I think they're doing a good job with that. You're seeing Vic Sooto, the new defensive line coach, come in. And the, the, the player, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with the recruiting, the player he's mentioning is the number one player in the country, Corey Foreman from Corona Centennial, who USC is, is recruiting really hard, was a Clemson commit, um, and backed off of that. We had him on our, our live show talking with him. He's former high school teammates with Drake Jackson. They're very close. Um, so yeah, so they, I would say that's the opposite of there. If they waited around for Corey Foreman and didn't try to pick up anyone else on the defensive line and then got nobody, that would be more of what the Lakers did as opposed to this. They're trying to fill those in, fill those spots in, but it's not because they don't think they're going to get Corey Foreman. They're still trying to get Corey Foreman. He's a guy you have room for no matter what. So that'd be my thoughts. What you guys think? Well, yeah, I think, uh, they know they're going to lose, uh, three, four, Five defensive linemen, they got plenty of room uh, for him to come in. And he's plenty good enough. I don't think he's one of those guys that, you know, now if it's quarterback, that's a different situation. You know, if you're thinking, wow, I'm a, I really am talented. Maybe I could play as a freshman, but I don't think I could play uh, behind Keaton Slovis. I'm gonna, I'll be behind him. I won't be, you know, beating him out. So I think it's a different situation. Uh, I don't think you're, you know, holding. I don't think you need to hold anything open for Corey Foreman at this point at all. I mean, uh, so I don't don't think USC has to play that game. I mean, there might be times when you would play that game uh, in a different situation with different, you know, players at different levels of, uh, you know, their academic career and all that. I don't think I don't think you got to do that. Uh, And it's not a case of, you know, this one guy for this one position, um, it's, th- that's not the case. He could come in and, and play, you know, a couple of places and could probably, you know, going to play right away. And I don't think any, I mean, uh, Drake Jackson has, has kind of proved that. So, um, so I don't, I, I don't think that level, the Kawhi letter, you know, is, is a comparison that, that's apt here. Yeah. Uh, even- go ahead, Keely. No, sorry, friend. Uh, we have an email from our buddy Dan, class of 1962, says, Hi, Keely, Dan, and Ryan. Your interviews with the USC administrative and football staffs have been terrific. Every Trojan fan should be excited about the coming season, regardless of what format it might take. The difference in the winning attitude between this staff and the last staff is like night and day. Ryan, you should be pleased about the hiring of competency and a great work ethic as opposed to familiarity. USC has always had a pipeline to top high schools like Manual Arts in the 50s, San Fernando High School in the 60s, and most recently, Sarah, Modern Day, Long Beach Poly, and St. John Bosco. Other than the schools just mentioned, what five high schools in Southern California could or should be pipelines to USC due to outstanding coaching? Also, is there one JC program that could be a pipeline? Fight on and win, Dan, class of 1962. Hmm. That's a tough one. I would... One of the things I would like to do is see them uh, make uh, uh, Las Vegas Bishop Gorman an honorary Southern California pipeline school. I would think that would be uh, that'd be one direction uh, maybe for USC to go is to there's not a Pac-12 team in uh, in Nevada. And so uh, uh, I'd go that direction, uh, at least for one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, sorry, man. I'm not the. Uh... As far as JC pipelines go, it's just tough. JCs are tough right now. I mean, it's it's not easy to get. It's 
it's basically you're not looking for a pipeline. You're looking for a diamond in the rough, I think, when you're recruiting JCs. You're trying to find that guy that's going to work out because he's graduating. And if you, you know, watch, um, if you go on Netflix and watch uh, the uh, documentary, oh, what is, I'm blanking on the name, oh, Last Chance You. So yeah. I watched that. Yep. And uh, how difficult that is and what they're dealing with at the JCs. And there are some programs like that, like, you know, the, was it East Mississippi? And um, right. you, when you had Jason Brown go to uh, the the one in Kansas, I mean, I can't even remember what the names of these are now. But yeah, I mean, Coffeeville, those, maybe. Yeah. No, yeah. it wasn't Coffeeville. It was, it was one of the oh, okay. Independence. Independence. Yeah. So okay. they were like, a, they were, they were a team that like never made the, hadn't made a bowl game or something in like 30 years. And he brought in all these players and they became a powerhouse, you know? And so um, for the couple of years he was there. But there, I mean, I, it's just tough to find it's, it's not like you're getting those situations where, oh, you're going to go to, to, uh, whatever the school is and, and bring a bunch of guys from there. It's like, you have to find the right guy at the right position. Who's got the right grades and things are working out well, and you can bring them in. Uh, it's just, I think it's just tougher to have something like that where it would be like a pipeline. Yeah. There just aren't many kids that are missed, uh, that are obvious college guys. So basically you're going to the junior college route. It, you're getting that guy who people didn't even miss on him. They were just afraid. I don't know that this guy, because of this or this or that, if he can do it. And then you get a chance to see a kid after a year or two. And he says, Hey, I'm going to, I am going to do it. And and then it's not maybe as big of a, a reach as you might've you know thought originally, but, uh, but it's not, I don't think it's, Heck, the the, the uh, junior colleges that kind of start having a sort of program mentality and winning, usually they get shot down because yeah. they're they're doing things they're not supposed to be doing. Who was it? Uh, was it Taft Junior College and whatever that you know if you start winning year after year and big, it's like, uh oh, what are they doing that they're not supposed to be doing? Because you're kind of supposed to be like you know high schools that just you take the guys that'll you know that'll come there. Uh, so you're, I think you are looking for a diamond in the rough. You're just looking for that one guy that just jumps out and it, it may not be because of the program. It may be just cause that guy makes that decision that, okay, I'm good enough. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, there's a lot of that. As far as like the high schools go, I think, I mean, all the names that, you know, I mean, you mentioned some of them, uh, you know, Long Beach Poly hasn't been as productive as it was before, but like Bosco and modern day are just powerhouses. Sarah always has a bunch of guys. You're seeing more inland empire schools like Corona Centennial, uh, popping up now. So there, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the, the usual names, but the same sort of thing. You got to yeah. recruit the player. It's not necessarily the school all the time, but, but yeah, when you're talking about Corona and uh, Centennial, you're talking about, um, uh, San Clemente, you've got some really good coaches, really good coaching staffs that, that do a you know, terrific job. I think Jay Sarah is, yep. is, is getting to that place. Uh, obviously, Mission, you know, Mission Viejo for years has had you know, some really, really strong uh, assistant coaches. So there are, there's an awful lot of good coaches uh, in, in, in Southern California high school football. I mean, a lot of them. And, um, uh, again, you're still looking for the player though. You really are. You gotta, it's gotta be that guy that fits exactly what, you know, what you need. And he's got the, you know, it helps to be coming from a good pro. There's no doubt about that. Cause they've been coached already and they know 
what it is to compete at the highest level. So from that standpoint, you look at a modern day kid or a Bosco kid and you think, well, you know, they're going for national championships every year and uh, they're playing against teams that are. And so you, know, you feel good about that, but, but I think you still, it's got to be the, the individual kid that you're looking at. We have one final email for the show, and it's from John in Oakland. He says, hi, Dan. I just read your Just Askin' Football and the Fall Edition, uh, and you have some nice insight into some of the many issues. I didn't see a direct reference to the planning that USC is doing on restarting the university. The university leadership has established several working groups to develop policy and procedures. It appears that the most important committees are the Public Health Policy Advisory Working Group and the Restart Opening Phase Policy Working Group. Neither have anyone from the athletic department. Do you think this is just an oversight or intentional in order to give the academic slash teaching and the student health side of the university priority? John in Oakland. Yeah, John. I, John actually sent me a, a lot of that information. It was kind of interesting to look at who was on the two committee, committees. And I don't know. I know people will say, well, what, athletics doesn't belong on there. They're not, you know, they're not the health guys. They're not the – but they, they do – cross a lot of lines and there are a lot of health implications uh involved with athletics that that aren't involved with the other um uh, you know other programs and there are a lot of docs and the trainers and the strength guys and all that and you know there really are a lot of considerations from athletic and athletics probably in a lot of ways gets the school year going in a public way that other parts of the university do not so would it have been a bad idea to have somebody from you know athletics on on those two one of those two committees i don't know i i, I mean i one of the things that usc that we've heard over the years is athletics always ran their own deal they had their own money they had their own decision making they didn't need for example if usc was going to try to uh let's say combat the negative publicity from the ncaa uh would they call on the annenberg school well the people at USC said, well, of course they won't. They're, you know, they're not going to ask the Annenberg School for anybody, any expertise and all of that. So I, I would think it, it's not a bad idea for the university, whenever they have something like this come along, to bring athletics in with them. Uh, I, I just think some representative uh, might have been good, a good thing. And there might be some implications that uh, those 19 people who are on those two committees maybe don't think about with timing or just public, the public uh, uh, aspect of, of something that, that, that happens in athletics. And to have somebody on there that could say, oh, wait a minute, uh, you might want to think about this. Uh, I don't think it would hurt. I, I would have probably thought about doing that. Um, all right. Uh, that's it. That's all we got, Keely? That's all we got. I think it's worth mentioning, though, that Mike Bone is – in on meetings on project restart is what he called it so it's not like he's absent from everything yeah just to clarify for john thanks john for that question um real quick what we did get an email from uh steve uh get, trying to come up some ideas for moving the usc alabama game uh he put the schedules for both teams and suggested that maybe because usc has a bye week october 24th and uh Alabama has a bye week October 31st, and maybe they could switch those dates. Uh, that's that's impossible, Steve. You can't do that. First of all, Alabama plays Tennessee every year, third Saturday 
in October. So uh, that's not going to work. Um, that's a long-standing game. So that's what they're doing. And you can't have, you know, what's Colorado going to do? What's Tennessee going to do? That's just, if they had the same bye week, you could potentially move it up. But even if they did, say they both had the same bye week, Nick Saban does not want to play USC heading into their LSU game. They have a bye week before LSU. That's what they want to have before LSU, not USC. So, yeah, that's the, that's not going to work. But uh, good thinking, you know, good, good good try there. But that's just you're not going to be able to move that game like that. Well, plus they're tied into it's got to be the opener because it's the is it the Advocare Bowl or whatever they they call that game at uh, at Arlington. But that's like a big kind of you know traditional become almost a traditional you know, opening game, uh, and you've got uh, uh, the Cowboys basically. Uh, do you know they handle it like it's a bowl game so uh it wouldn't work uh some other time of the year either as well so they need it to be uh that opening weekend yeah all right good stuff uh keely thanks for coming on staying safe being in your house thank you sir we'll get you we'll drag you out there cut and bring you in the studio (laughs) here at some point okay what what are the what do you guys out there think should keely come to the studio <laughs> yeah, we want to play with Keeley's uh, health with a fan vote. But, uh, <laughs> yep, exactly. That's it's right. weird. I, I come in here all the time, but just because it's done by myself. So I, mm-hmm. I, when I walk into the building, like I don't see anybody. You know, I guess I have to open doors. So that's, you know, but I wash my hands as soon as I get into the, the studio. Um, and I just sit in here by myself. So it's, uh, you get kind of boring being here alone. But yeah, it's, it's different. But you could be in that chair right over there, Keeley. We sit there, we're six feet apart. Yeah. Very true. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Fans, you vote. If, if, if y'all say that she should come in the studio, <laughs> Keely has no question. She just, we, we just have to do it. We have to respect Oh, yeah. Yeah. No autonomy <laughs> for me at all. Not at all. <laughs> we would not do that. I'm just kidding. Um, Keely, thanks. And uh, Dan, thank you. Okay. Uh, the border, by the way, I'll tell you this. As far as me coming in, I think the border is still closed between Orange County and Los Angeles oh, County. So yeah. I'm not sure I could get through anyway. Actually, so yeah, that is true. That, yeah. I mean, there is an issue like going to t- trying to travel to Texas right now, isn't there? Like a two week quarantine or something. So like, yeah, the only good news there is the Texas governor who who made that his rule is also a USC parent. So you know, maybe he'll he'll waive that for the uh, USC people. Oh, there you go. I didn't realize that. All yeah, right, his daughter's a USC mm-hmm. student. Nice. Yeah. So, so many famous people send their kids to USC. So it's just, it's crazy. Um, all right. Well, that's Keely, Dan. I'm Ryan. Thanks for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. If you, uh, I mean, where this is going up right now, we're, we're actually having uh, Jacob Brown on the uh, new uh, director. So he's the director of video, of, of football video production for USC. He did all those great LSU videos. So we'll, by the time you hear this, you'll probably be able to watch the replay of it, but we're going to have him on 5 p.m. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, live on our Tunnel Vision show. So it's lunch with a yeah. Trojan, but dinner. But it should be an interesting uh, conversation. Uh, get me his. Uh, uh, oh, I'm, we're not over yet, are we? Are we? No, we're not over. I'm not sorry about that. I thought we were over. Now though. I thought it was the post. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just going to give like the last little shout out there, but because that's okay. There but. are so many uh, film industry people that I think uh, USC film industry types. And I, I was thinking of some of them who would probably love to get to meet Jacob and Jacob would probably love to get to meet them. And I was just thinking that might be something we ought to do for, uh, for Jacob. Yeah. We'll have to, I'll ask him about that on the show or something. So, but yeah, 
Uh, we'll, we can talk about that off air, Dan. All right. <laughs> okay. That's uh, Kelly I'm Dan. I'm Ryan. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.